Welcome to the Mellow Mama podcast, where I talk all things conscious living and conscious, respectful parenting with the help of lots of great books, resources, and of course, my own experience as a person and parent in order to give you the tools that you need to develop amazing, authentic, connected relationships with the people in your life that you love, including your children, but also yourself. And today I'm breaking down what the most unhelpful common parenting mistake and mindset is that I see. If you're new here, what's up? I'm Kate. I'm very excited to dive into this conversation for a lot of reasons. And you know, I'm just going to go for it by saying that, you know, I'm excited to talk about this because... When I was first introduced to conscious parenting, when I read my favorite work, Rosalind Ross's book, A Theory of Objectivist Parenting, I was like, wow, my mind is blown for a couple of reasons. One, this is such common sense. And two, had I not read this book, it wouldn't have been common sense. I would have operated out of my existing conditioning trying my best to eliminate the things that I didn't enjoy as a child, but subconsciously just going right back into those same patterns with my own children. I absolutely would have been a warmly authoritarian, as I like to call it, if you've listened to my videos or my podcast before, the Disney Channel mom. I 100% would have gone full house on my kids, shame, condescension, passive aggression, would have used it all because I would have thought that that was best for my kids. I would have been operating from fear. I would have been operating from uh, the system of control, which is rooted in fear. Fear that my kids are going to be bad, that my kids are bad and I need to fix them, that I need to alter their behavior, that they need to behave a certain way to be good. They need to be a certain person in order to be good, acceptable, worthy. I absolutely would have operated there. And, you know, even what's interesting, I I love teaching about this stuff. I love talking about it. I love um, doing one-on-one consultations with parents and it becomes like so clear. But even I have so much work still to do on a daily basis with my children, rewriting this very mindset that I want to cover today, the most unhelpful one. And that's why I want to start with that, that title, unhelpful. And I share this so that I can emphasize a much bigger point. I would have the exact same goals as that Disney Channel mom (laughs) had I never found the work that I found that completely shifted the way I look at the parent-child relationship, completely shifted the way I look at parenting and life in general. My, My goals would have been the same. I just would have had a much different strategy to obtain them. And that strategy would not have been helpful to obtaining that goal, which is the main thing that I want to drive home today because a lot of people are really adamant about relying on a certain uh, parenting philosophy even though it's genuinely not serving them, it's not serving their kids, it's of no benefit to them and the end results that they want for their parenting journey. We all have the same goal as parents. We want the best for our kids. We want our kids to be joyful, highly functioning people, right? We want them to be respectful. We want them to be hardworking. I mean, there's like a list of 10 things that I'm pretty sure every single... If I were on like Family Feud, I don't know if you are familiar with this show, but if I was on Family Feud and they were like, what are the most common goals uh, for a parent? It would be such an easy one because people all have the same goals for for their kids. So... The question is, when it comes to your parenting ideology, the philosophy that you adhere to as a parent, is this helpful to reaching my goal? To, and what, what are my goals for my family, for my children? What am I teaching is a common thing that I say in a lot of my work. What are we teaching? Or, and what are we doing? And is it in alignment with what we actually want for ourselves, for our children, and for our family unit as a whole? This is important stuff to consider, especially if you're somebody that's like, look, I don't need a podcast. I don't need a YouTube video. I don't need a parenting book. I'm a great parent. I don't need advice from anyone. I know what's right and wrong. I'm a good person. So I know what to do with my kids. Again, been there, 
done that. So grateful that I got out of my ego long enough to say, I'm pregnant. I should probably read something, right? Like just, I don't, I don't know. I want to learn. I want to do better. Even if you're listening right now and you think you are a perfect parent, that you've got it all figured out. I don't know what it is that you practice or believe in, but if you believe in it, if you're like, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm doing everything exactly the way that I feel great doing it. Why wouldn't you still want to get better? Why wouldn't you want to grow more, learn more, expand your outlook? And actually, I know the answer to that. It's also fear. We're afraid to get new insight because it means that we might have to shift things. It means that we might have been wrong about something. Or if you really are operating in this much of a fear mindset, you can tell yourself, reading this, I'm going to confirm what I already feel confidently about. Let it change your mind. See if it can. And if it can't, there you go. You know even more confidently why you feel the way that you feel. That's the epitome of conscious. That's good stuff. So now that I've covered all of that, the most unhelpful mindset and mistake that I see parents making is assuming the worst of their kids. Assuming that their behavior equals their character. Assuming that the behavior that they see from their kids is indicative of their kid's heart their character, again, their personality, who they are, and who they will be. As opposed to understanding the behavior as communication of unmet needs or of developmental appropriateness, we assume the worst. This is a huge rupture to our relationship dynamic, first and foremost, with our children. Who wants to be in a relationship with somebody that constantly assumes the worst of your character? That's the epitome of what you don't want to spend time with, right? If you have a spouse that constantly misunderstands you and misinterprets your behaviors as intentional, right? Like let's say you make a mistake or you forget something and they interpret that as intentional and then they start labeling and shaming oh you're irresponsible or oh, you just oh, you don't think me at all or you don't care about me these sort of blanket statements of shame um, and insinuation are extremely harmful right like they don't make us feel loved and accepted the same applies to our children in fact i'll give you a personal example of a time where i felt very misinterpreted in my character and in my heart I was working a job where marketing was a huge strength of mine. I loved it. I got so much joy out of creating different materials to advertise uh, different things. And I was working in a group setting. And one day someone said, you know, Caitlin, when you do your marketing stuff, you basically make it to us. It feels like you think you're better than us and that we aren't as good at doing this stuff as you. Mind you, I genuinely loved creating these materials. I loved doing marketing stuff. I loved creating a specific aesthetic that aligned with me, my personal brand. Like It was just something that I genuinely enjoyed. And I love to see other people create their own stuff. I love other people in general. I'm like, if you know me personally, I'm a really curious person. I genuinely love other people. I love what they bring to the table. And I think it's a direct reflection of who they are, their essence. Like, I, I find that to be beautiful. So when this person said this to me, in sort of like a more public setting, we were on a meeting, and I, we were with many people, I felt so, so sad on a, such a deep level that somebody would assume something like that of my character, that I... I think I'm better than someone else that I that I don't like other people or that I I don't know that I have some sort of like malicious intent with my work. I also felt a need to uh, quiet myself. I didn't want any I didn't want it to seem like I wanted attention. I mean, it drove up so many feelings from my childhood and my adolescent experience where um I was like, okay, if I do something too well, people will resent me for it. But if I don't do my best, my parents won't be as impressed and proud of me, right? And, um, and I also just, I get enjoyment out of this. I love doing this. And gosh, like it has nothing to do with them, right? And adult me, healed me, person that loves this kind of conversation that we're having right now, 
in the moment is like, okay, that's not personal, right? That's a reflection of this person saying, and, and their own deep-rooted insecurities uh, about what what they produce um, in comparison to my work, which is irrelevant, but to them, again, this is a, this is a reflection of, of them and their self-esteem. It has nothing to do with you and your character, but man, to have somebody make that kind of assumption about you hurts, especially if that's not your intention at all and it's not what you think or feel at all, right? If, if you don't operate there, it's like, geez, that, that hurts that you would assume that about me, that I'm this like yucky, awful person. And I'm sure if you're listening, maybe you have an example of that in your own life where somebody just didn't get you. They didn't get your intentions. They didn't understand your heart and it, and it hurt. This happens in all kinds of relationship dynamics, not just work dynamics, but especially it occurs in the parent-child dynamic. This relationship where especially when we're operating in a system of control and hierarchy with our children, it happens all the time. When we feel that our children aren't being quote-unquote obedient or we use the label defiant because they're not doing what we say to do right when we say to do it regardless of their state, regardless of their perspective, we need them to be like these little soldiers. We interpret that as you know what? My kid is bad. My kid is being bad. They are bad. They're defiant. They are yada, 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 yada. We list a billion reasons that they're unlovable and unworthy of our acceptance in the moment. How is that helpful? Just like that woman saying that to me, you know, we, it feels like you think you're better than us. I was like, oh, ah, like, bullet to the stomach <laughs> like that hurt my feelings so much right because I was like I don't I don't think that at all like and I love this person that was saying it I'm like what <laughs> is that how you see me you see me like that like um some sort of snobby mean girl that sucked I mean and heck I even read um like reviews like this sometimes or I get anonymous questions or messages like this sometimes like oh you think you're so much better than everybody I'm like I promise I'm not any better than you I know that I'm not I don't think that I just know that I love to talk about this stuff and sometimes again if I don't check myself before I wreck myself I do like feel so sad that somebody would have this idea of me idea of my character with with such a dim light with you know like hate and um just I don't know disgusting other people I don't I don't feel that way at all or pretension right these are all things that do not define me I have nothing to do with my character but so easily and so quickly we slap labels on other people this is like the epitome of the critical judgmental parent that I, I can guarantee you, none of us want to be. If you're somebody here that's like, I want my kids to uh, obey me. I, I want them to be quote unquote good kids. I don't think you would describe that as, I want to be a critical judgmental parent. And I think that's why a lot of the time people think conscious parenting doesn't align with them. Because they haven't made the connection yet that operating in this system of control with our children, having this mindset in the background of every interaction that we have with our children, that their behavior in front of us right now is indicative of their character, of their heart, of their intentions, will inevitably lead us down the path of criticism, of shame, of judgment whether we like it or not. And that's why also parenting that way can be so exhausting. It can feel so defeating and discouraging. It can feel like this is like a constant go around because then our children start to develop an understanding that we we don't love them unconditionally. We love them with conditions. They start to understand what they need to do, how they need to perform for us to be happy, for us to like them, for us to pay attention to them. One of the most powerful quotes that I've ever read when it comes to parenting is that when we criticize our children, they don't love us any less. When we are that judgmental parent, that critical parent that uses shame, that views our children in a negative light and always assumes the worst of them, 
they they can feel that they can interpret that very clearly just like you can interpret very clearly when someone doesn't like you or likes you more when you do this that or the other for them or you're pleasing them or meeting their expectations for you you can feel that and our children are not they're not goofy either they can interpret that as well but the quote finishes with they don't stop loving you they they love themselves less they stop loving themselves so when we criticize our children, we might think, you might think on the outside, if you're already practicing conscious parenting, that, oh, well, you know, my, you're, you're rupturing the relationship from the point of view of, like, the child's no longer going to like you. Well, unfortunately, and fortunately, I guess, for a lot of people that are trying to repair relationships, which is, I think, most of us with our own parents, but especially if you're someone coming into the realm of conscious parenting later in the game, like you've got older children, our children don't stop liking us or loving us or wanting us to love them back. <laughs> they they always yearn for that. It's biologically wired into them. Hello, Romy. My four-month-old is with us. But they, they don't stop wanting that from us and they don't stop loving us, looking up to us, wanting love from us. They simply stop giving it to themselves. They start to believe the, the lie that you're telling them, that they're unworthy, that they do need to perform, that they do need to be or do certain things. And it's just not true. It is a lie. And, it, and it's a result, again, of fear-based conditioning, us taking behavior personally, making it about ourselves, getting out of touch with reality, which I'll get to in a moment. But I wanted to touch on that for a moment, that you aren't making your children love you any less. You're making them love themselves less with this mindset, which is just one of many issues, along with the fact that a lot of the behavior is simply an indication of a lot of extrinsic factors. For example, due to being sleepy, being hungry, it being the end of a very, very long day for them, or just so much overstimulation, right? Like, I see this all the time at uh, Disney World or other fun places where it's just like lights, candy, sweets, crazy, terrible junk food, rides, people in costumes, like, la, and then like no naps, all of that stuff combined, and then we, and then we, throw shame in our children's faces when they're not behaving a certain way. You should be so ashamed of yourself. Look at everything that I did for you today, right? They're in debt to us now, and you didn't appreciate any of it. We've labeled them and their character as ungrateful. This is so painful for both people involved. When we erase this mindset that our children are trying to get one over on us so they're that they're bad inherently and like they need us to straighten them out and to make them feel like sh it in order to behave a certain way we when we eliminate that we actually have a great opportunity to just kind of see the person in front of us for who they are we can see their vulnerability we can see their vulnerable moments we can see their behavior for what it is communication that's all it's not personal and when we do that when we can look at our child in front of us and we can see the parts of ourselves in them like our worst selves our our most dysregulated selves are the part of us that wants to scream that wants to hit that wants to throw something the the part of us especially the the child part of us that wanted to do all those things or did do all of those things when we can witness that in our child and, and be there and understand on a real level that that's just human, okay? There are some things where boundaries have to happen, right? Like we can't let people just hit and be like, oh yeah, I've been there before. I've also wanted to hit someone. That is not what I'm saying. So please don't misinterpret this. But there is a humanity piece to all of this. We have all been dysregulated as adult people, let alone before our brain could literally handle and process the things that our children are trying, we're expecting them to handle and process. There's, there is a humanity to all of it. There's a humanness to being dysregulated, to being upset, to being disappointed, to being frustrated, regardless if you find it warranted based on your perspective as an adult person. It's, it's their lived experience. 
This is what your child is experiencing right now. So when you acknowledge that in them, you also acknowledge it in a part of yourself, especially if you're able to, to be with your child in a, in a present, unaffected way, as Janet Lansbury calls it, unruffled way. When we can actually just sit and acknowledge the humanity in the other, in our child, acknowledge what's being communicated here, even if it's painful for you. Listen, I, as a parent, I've dealt with separation, single motherhood, uh, re- marriage, and introducing an, a father figure, having another child. My son has absolutely demonstrated behavior that was not at all indicative of his character and absolutely an indication of what was going on beneath the surface, which was pain a lot of the time, was a need for connection a lot of the time, was a need for me to see him, was a need for him to be seen by other people in our lives. If I would have had this mindset that my son is bad, that he's defiant, that he's destructive, how much closer in relationship do you think I would be to my son? How much closer do you think I would be to understanding his experience? How he's processing all of the things that he's going through? How, how much closer do you think I would be to having empathy for myself as a mom? And, and how difficult it is, the guilt and shame that I carry for those circumstances, for myself, for my son, for my husband. I would be far from it because I would be just not even scratching the surface of the real issue. I would be shaming, labeling it all away, and my son would be burying that, burying that pain with layers of shame so that he could then move forward in life, continuing to beg in the form of behavior for connection, for someone to understand him, for someone to see him, for someone to remedy the pain he was experiencing. And who knows if he would ever get that, especially not with this mindset, this unhelpful mindset that, you know, your behavior equals your character. We're going to assume the worst of kids because they're just terrible. They're the worst. My son would never get what he actually needed until maybe he was an adult, not maybe functioning the best because of this unresolved trauma, this unresolved uh, chaos maybe going on under the surface for himself that would have led to other, other behavior that would have led to more shame, more guilt, more labeling. He might have identified with these labels of being bad, of being destructive, of being defiant, of being loud. I mean, I could list a million things that, and I said in the beginning, I have to practice this too. I talk about this stuff because it's helpful for me. I talk about what's unhelpful so you can evaluate it yourself and say, yeah, is this helping Is this improving the circumstance for me and my family? You don't even have to have anything complicated going on in your family life to acknowledge that things could be improved if you remove this mindset from the way you operate with your children. Heck, the way you operate with your spouse, the way you operate with your loved ones. Imagine that interaction with that person in my old job. If she had assumed the best of me, and, and been like, man, Kate, you just really love making this stuff. That's probably why I love looking at your work so much. And maybe maybe she'd be like, hey, I, I want to learn from you. Or, hey, like, um, do you think maybe you could share some of my work sometime? I want to show it to you. And, and if not, that's all right. Not take it personally, right? <laughs> but she would have assumed the best of me. And we probably would have grown closer in our relationship, closer in our business connection. We might have done wonderful things together. But because she operated in that mindset of assuming the worst, um, none of that happened. In fact, it just created a rupture. I felt awful. I felt kind of humiliated and called out. I felt like I had been bashed, right? Her children are no different. And the same thing goes, again, for like the husband-wife dynamic or whatever relationship dynamic you're in. I'm just speaking from my personal experience, right? Like if, if I make a mistake or a blunder and I, or I forget something, 
it it would be awful for my husband to assume that that's a reflection of my character that it's intentional that i don't i don't care about him because i've forgotten to do a certain task or haven't done something on time or whatever it it would it would be awful to to think oh my even my husband doesn't truly see me and know my heart that sucks Okay, and and the same thing goes again for our children. It's just not a helpful mindset, which on the other flip side of this, because I know a lot of people are like, okay, I'm starting to understand. (laughs) You're right. This is not helpful. This isn't doing me any good. But what is helpful? Like, what's the opposite of that? Well, when we assume the best of our children, things get dramatically easier for everyone, mainly because we are able to shift from fear mode utilizing extrinsic motivators, feeling the need to shame, belittle, attack, label, and we can move into love. We can, and I know that sounds so cheesy, but we can, we can move into love mode, connection mode with our children or whoever it is that's in front of us. When we stop, I I like that Tony Robbins always says, who are you on the other side of fear? And it's not just fear like doing the coal walk or whatever, it's fear of of judgment, of criticism, uh, fear that you're not enough, fear that you're not a good parent, fear that your child is going to be a bad person, fear that they're going to end up being all the things that your parent told you that you were, and they're going to be disappointing to you, and you're going to be disappointing to your parents, and the list goes on and on. That's fear. All of those deep-rooted insecurities that tell you you're unworthy, that you are not worthy of connection, that you're not worthy of love, at least not love that's unconditional, based on you, the essence of you, the real you on the other side of fear, that stuff. When we operate on the other side of that, we're able to move into connection of love, of empathy. We can truly just see the person in front of us trying their very best. When we start to assume the best of our children, We can acknowledge the reality that our children are usually doing what's developmentally appropriate for them, especially considering external factors like sleepiness, hunger, overstimulation, maybe external factors like what I mentioned in our household, moving, divorce, separation, new family members, new babies in the family, new school, a school, new routines, right? Like there are so many reasons why our children can get, find themselves in dysregulated state. And when we assume the best of them, we remember That nobody feels good there. Nobody wants to be dysregulated. It sucks. It feels awful. When I, as an adult person, am dysregulated, I'm like, ah, I want this to end. Why am I feeling this way? What's triggering me? I need to get to the bottom of it. Our children don't have that understanding. They don't have the ability to slow it down like that, okay? And and to have this expectation of them only sets us up to fail, first of all, and it sends us spiraling back into that other system, that mindset. Well, my kid is just giving me a hard time. They're just bad. They're just defiant. They don't listen to anything I say. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's shift into the little assume the best glasses. I just did like a rainbow motion with my hands, but put those glasses on. Assume the best of your children. Now look at their behavior. You see somebody asking for help, in my opinion, I see somebody suffering like, okay, my child is either really in need of help, like they, they need help going, getting ready for bed, getting some rest, they need nourishment, they need one-on-one time, real eye contact, phone in the drawer, like they need me. My child is asking me for help. They're not giving me a hard time. They're genuinely having a hard time. That's why that phrase is so like, widely used and so popular because that it resonates with you once you think about it you know it's like yeah actually my child is having a hard time they're not trying again they're not trying to get one over on you this whole like mindset that kids are manipulative little shysters they're awful it needs to stop it's good and and even if you might still believe that it's not helpful which is why I titled this episode that. Because even if that's what you believe in your core, then you're still sticking to those guns, that your kid is bad and that your kid is, you know, deceitful and awful and manipulative and defiant. Okay, you believe that? Where is that getting you? 
Closer to your child or further from them? You answer. Further, yes. Okay, great. (laughs) But seriously, it's not helpful. It's not helping you. So why hang on to this? Why continue to practice parenting with this mindset? Why not make a little shift? Why not assume the best? When we assume the best, we also can actually dive deeper. We can understand the person in front of us on a much deeper level. We can observe them as they grow and develop and and sort of navigate with them their life, their surroundings, how they're processing things. We can better build relationship with them. This is a more intimate relationship that we develop when we assume the best of any person. One of my favorite quotes, actually, by Mary Lou Kanaoke, I think that's how you say her name, Kaunaki. There isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. And I think Fred Rogers uses this quote, too. And it's very true. When you actually can understand another person from top to bottom, it's hard not to love them because you recognize yourself in them you recognize if if you can if you can operate outside of your ego and and the stories and the identities that you tell yourself you have to cling to in order to be worthy if you can let go of that and you can again witness the humanity in another person in front of you there's really nobody you couldn't love and appreciate and value for for a number of reasons once you've understood them once you've known their story and a quick disclaimer, obviously that doesn't mean that you need to spend time with people that are unhealthy for you or that demonstrate unhealthy behavior that, you know, cause harm to you in your life, but you can acknowledge their perspective. You can recognize the humanity in them. And I think that it's a very healthy way to go about life and living. And, and it, it's very freeing. It's very peaceful let's scale that back down though to just the relationship that we have with our loved ones with our sweet children when we allow them to be seen as good as inherently good from the moment they come into our lives for us to take care of them what do you think that's providing to them to have somebody that sees them and loves them unconditionally that loves them in their hard moments loves them through those hard moments tries to understand on a deeper level those difficult moments okay what is my child asking for right now what do they actually need do they need me to connect with them do they just need a snack do they, what's really going on here i'm gonna assume the best of my child i don't i know they don't want to be upset. I know they don't want to be screaming. I don't know. I know they don't like to be on the ground. I know they don't feel good hitting. I know they don't want to do. Nobody wants to be there. It feels awful. Our bodies do that in survival mode. So being in survival mode feels good for no one. Assume the best of your children and you can get to the bottom of what actually needs to happen for them. And sometimes the feelings, the experience just needs to pass. It needs to move through our body. And this is the part of the conversation where I can sort of move into the therapeutic aspects for you, the parent. I've sort of already touched on the fact that you get to recognize the things that were quote-unquote unlovable in yourself and your children and sort of like restore that by loving them in those moments when they display those things that you were told are bad about yourself. You can rewrite that for yourself and then of course for your child and their children moving forward but there's another there's another piece to this too that I think is pretty universal even for people that had really really loving warm parents the the need to fix anything but content is is really prevalent issue the this need to to be comfortable at all times and to be um you know like we're okay you're okay crying bad right i mean the amount of times that i've heard someone say this to my 4 month old baby is like is so interesting to me she'll be crying and someone will say oh you're okay you're okay 
they have the best intentions, they don't even probably have any awareness to what they're saying being a huge indication of how people operated with them when they were children and when they were growing up and probably what they did with their own children as well, invalidating their experience and hoping for it to end. Another Fred Rogers moment coming in hot, he said, people have said don't cry to other people for years and years and all it has ever meant is I'm too uncomfortable when you show your feelings. Don't cry. I'd rather have them say, go ahead and cry. I'm here to be with you. Whether or not you find this too soft and mushy-gushy and you're like, yeah, okay, tell that to my five-year-old who didn't get the rainbow cup and is screaming or is hitting me. Yeah, oh, uh, let you know, go ahead and cry. I'd like to be with you, right? Like, um, Someone the other day said to me, okay, so what, you expect me to talk to them for 20 minutes about why I don't want to take the tower apart? I said, yeah, not 20 minutes. But at least acknowledge, hey, you loved that tower. I'm so sorry that we have to take it down. That sucks. But you know what? Would you like to take it down with me? Would you like to rebuild it tomorrow? Do you think we could shift it to another place? Just acknowledging the perspective of the other as opposed to assuming the worst, assuming that our child, because they began having a hard time in a moment like that, a moment with the cup is bad is crazy is defiant is un un what's it called irrational this is all unfair and unhelpful <laughs> i keep just driving that home because it, again we have the same goals so even if you are somebody that is annoyed with the regular old everyday experience of being a parent which can be frustrating sometimes it can be exhausting it's like oh my gosh okay I get it I didn't give you the right cup I'm so sorry like I know I know <laughs> even for me like there are days where I'm like okay just gotta nip certain things in the bud so that we don't have the certain response or like I have to prepare myself for success when I know there are times in the day where my son is going to be super hungry or certain things cause him to be super overstimulated. I avoid that stuff or I prepare for those times, okay? I am like, let's go. I'm ready, ready for battle, right? But there are times in the day with children, especially young children, where you don't see things coming, you don't prepare, you can't nip things in the butter. There's there's no way to prevent whatever it is that's going on. And it just requires a little bit of good assumptions. All right, my, my child's ha having a hard time. They need my help. They're not trying to do anything. They're genuinely disappointed in this. Why would they be disappointed? And this is where you have to move into... The, the the child in front of you's perspective as opposed to your own. Clearly, it's not going to matter to you what kind of cup you get or taking down the tower before bed because there's a dog in the household is going to knock it down probably at 2 a.m. Like, that's rational to you. But why is that not the first thought for your child? That's where you can move into a more helpful space where okay we're not only just assuming the best of our children but because we've done that and stopped moving into this like punitive shamey zone we can actually come up with a solution and connect with our children oh my gosh oh i didn't realize that that you were so connected to this like you probably did work really hard on that didn't you how much time did you take and this what i get annoyed with pers personally i'm joking <laughs> is when people Say statements like that to me. Oh, what am I supposed to spend 20 minutes? Okay, first of all, your children deserve a minute of interaction from you where you you can see their point of view. It's not this huge debt. Oh my gosh, like, great. So now I have to reason with my child ever since they, whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a two-way street of communication. What do you think you gave birth to, a lump? Like, it, it, it's a person. This is a person. They have, they're experiencing life with you. They deserve for their perspective to be at least acknowledged. And no, that's not always going to be a 20-minute discussion. Trust me, I do this all day long, people. <laughs> so it can be as simple as like a 30-second conversation of saying, oh, I'm so sorry about that. I probably moved too fast, didn't I? I started taking down that tower and I didn't even like ask you, really. 
Uh, you want to help me with it? I know it stinks to take it down because you worked hard on it. How long did it take? And then as you're taking it apart, you're connecting. You're talking about the day. You're talking about their experience, their perspective. I know it stinks when you have to take something down that you've built. Maybe you'll share an experience of when you built something and you had to take it apart and it was a bummer. Maybe you'll just simply be able to see their point of view and be like, hey, next time we should build it over there where the dog won't knock it over before bedtime or in the middle of the night, or we can put it in a safe spot. Do you want to do that tomorrow? Or do you want to do that on Friday? See how we're just leaning into connection, leaning into love? And our child on the other end of that is is receiving that love, is receiving that connection, is feeling seen, is feeling understood, is feeling like they matter to you. Which brings me full circle to my main point, that assuming the best of our children is the most helpful strategy. So even if your goal isn't, you know, to be a conscious parent, to build awareness, to reparent yourself, to acknowledge, hmm, how was little me, little Kate, or little whatever your name is, received in my hard moments? Or like, if I would have said, no, I, I don't want to do that or whatever. How would my parent respond to me? If you don't want to do any of that, that's fine. Just understand that it's not helpful to operate in that same space. It's, it's just not going to be beneficial to you. It's going to take way more time, lots more tantrums because your child is going to be like, nobody sees me, no one understands me, everybody's hurting my feelings, calling me bad, assuming bad things about me, especially if you talk bad about your kids after these incidents and they can hear you i love asking like i have somebody sitting in front of me but if let me let me ask you if a parent if you ever overheard them talking bad about you sort of like behind your back even if it was to your other parent even if it was another family member that you really really love how did that make you feel for me because this has happened to me on a number of times i felt like garbage. I felt awful about myself. I felt like my parents didn't love me. I felt like they didn't like me even as a person. And that sort of teaming up against the kids mentality goes hand in hand with that classic mistake mindset that your children are out to get you, that they are bad, that they need fixing, that you need to set them straight or else they will continue to be defiant. They will defy you. It's not, it's just not helpful. So if you want to operate there, you can, right? It's just not going to lead you to the end result that you actually want. Even if your goal is, I want things to be resolved more quickly, more easily, with less upset. Like I said, it's important for people to feel feelings. It's important for people to experience the whole spectrum of emotions. Um, and they're normal, they're human. But if I, under, I understand wanting better solutions to things, I, I understand not wanting these huge um, back and forth, this tug of war as parents feeling like I'm constantly fighting with my kids. Like, oh my gosh, it's like nonstop. I get not wanting to experience that. And I think that while there absolutely are times where we have to just be there for our children, allow them to feel what it is that they're feeling for whatever reasons that they're feeling them, whether or not we find them to be rational or not. There's also a bit of prevention when it comes to protecting our kids from themselves, right? When it comes to things that would, again, like I mentioned earlier, inevitably lead to dysregulation, lead to them feeling bad, out of control, not good. We can use this strategy itself to sort of prevent these bigger issues, bigger obstacles, bigger moments of heightened emotions, shame, dysregulation, guilt, feeling crappy as a parent, your child feeling bad about themselves, bad about you, bad about your relationship, and then there's like ongoing cycle. Absolutely having the mindset that, you know, our children are good and they're trying their best is only going to help you in that regard. And so if, if that's your goal, you're like, look, I just want things to be easier. That's why I'm here. That's why I have this podcast. I'm like, what's going to be helpful for you as a parent is what I want to deliver. But if you want to take that a step further and you want 
more connection. You want to understand again on a deep level your child, who they are, how they process things, what they're processing, what's going on for them. This is an amazing practice. And the alternative, the assumptions that, again, your children are turning out to be heathens or whatever, where, and I, and I, I will acknowledge as a conscious parent in a sea of behaviorist parents surround, I mean, I'm surrounded all the time by people that have a completely different outlook when it comes to raising children. And I do think that that is shifting, which is exciting. But sometimes people might see your child and think, wow, like, yeah, okay, conscious parenting, (laughs) working out real well. Well, okay, maybe my son isn't scared of me. Maybe my son will will express his perspective, will express his point of view. And maybe that's uncomfortable for some people. But I don't take the behavior of my son personally. And I definitely don't use it against him. Again, as a means to judge and criticize his character, his heart. To disregard the essence of him in, 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 the, sake, in the name of defending my own fear-based insecurities of what kind of parent I am, what kind of good or bad job I'm doing in front of other parents. What are they thinking? How are they judging me? It's easy to fall back into this old ideology. It's so easy sometimes to get tripped up by that conditioning that most of us are conditioned with, especially if you see a certain kind of glance from another parent at school or, you know, you're at the zoo or the park and you you see some murmurs, a little whisper, or you see some people, I don't know, even in your family, you could be an in-law, a grandma, a sister, a brother who's judging and criticizing your child and who, who they are based on their behavior, man, it gets tricky. Even a spouse, yeah, looks like that conscious parenting stuff's working out real well in your child's most difficult moment where you need the most support and they need the most support. It's easy to think that the best solution is to resort to fear-based tactics, resort to this assumption and, and, and belief that actually, you know, maybe my child is bad. Maybe my, my child maybe is disrespectful. Gosh, like maybe they are. Like maybe I should just start yelling at them. Maybe I should just start shaming them, make them feel horrible about things. We so quickly can forget that that is not the answer, that that is not helpful, that that only breeds more resentment, that breeds inauthenticity from us, from our children, more exhaustion because we're more in this role-playing zone where we have to be the uh, benevolent dictator to our children and show them who's boss and oh my gosh, it, it just, it's not helpful. It's not the answer. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust that your children are learning from you. They're learning from your being, from your doing on a daily basis. One of my favorite friends says, more is caught than taught. She has four adult children and she's a psychologist. I'll never forget her saying that to me because she's not necessarily somebody that practiced conscious parenting, but she did mention that to me once, you know, that, you know, Caitlin, I, I have said for a long time as a parent, all my kids that more is caught than taught. When I try to teach my kids something, it's rarely heard, accepted, processed. When I do things, my children learn so much. My children learn from my being. They learn from who I am, how I show up, how I interact with others. In, in the zero to five, six, seven stages, sometimes it can be so challenging to remember that, that your children are learning from what you are modeling and that we do not have to have these ridiculous expectations for our children and their behavior that have no consideration of brain development, of external factors, right? that also completely disregard that we adult people find ourselves in dysregulated states all the time with the skill sets that we have, with the social niceties that we're aware of, right? We have, we have set the bar so, so, so high for children that we resort to these unhelpful tactics that are a disservice to us, a disservice to our children, a disservice to all of our households. And it's, it's time 
to step into the more helpful mindset. Assume the best of your children and remember that behavior is communication. Behavior is communicating something deeper to you, an unmet need, a need, usually for connection, a need to feel seen, heard, understood, and worthy of love from you. Remembering in our child's most difficult moments that this is not an indication of their character, who they're going to be at age 35. This is not their heart. They don't want to be behaving this way. And if they do, it's because they're trying to communicate something to you. This is the best way to actually get in touch with your child's heart, with your child's true character. Who are they? Who is it that's unfolding before you? When we can assume the best of our children, we can actually also develop a real curiosity about them, real wonderment. Hmm, this is an interesting way to process this. Or, oh, it's interesting that you are so passionate about this kind of thing. Or, wow, it's so funny that my child loves X, Y, or Z. My child is really seeming to have a hard time with this adjustment. We can better connect with people when we're curious about them, especially our children. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening and being here with me. I hope it's been insightful for you. I hope that it serves you and helps your family the way that it has mine. It's such a small mindset shift that makes such a weighty difference in your relationship dynamics and the peace of your household I truly hope to hear from some of you about how it's impacted your lives in relationships. If it has and you're like, man, I kind of want to talk about it, write me a review, write me an email, go check out my website if you're somebody that's like, okay, I want to expand on this. I want to practice all of this. Like, I want a better relationship with my children. I want not just in the short term this mushy-gushy gentle relationship where whatever. Like, I want my kids to be my friends like when we're adults my kids are gonna be my rock and I'm gonna be their rock like we're gonna be a unit (laughs) if you want that if you want to feel like okay what I'm doing right now in the short term is going to greatly benefit the long-term relationship dynamics for not just your children but also your marriage your relationships with other people to step out of this egoic sense of being like over identifying with things and labels and roles and you just want to step into your true essence as a person and a parent go check out my online course it's the mellowmama.org easy peasy lemon squeezy to find and i I would love to have you in our course community it'd be awesome and, and wonderful to see the transformation that comes as a result of that we also have some other cool stuff like our something to do activity book for kids that leads to a lot of great independent play but also fosters connection and engagement from you the parent which i really really like the combination of those two things plus it's very aesthetically pleasing and you can like leave it out on your coffee table or your counter all the time and it's cute and not obstructive if you're somebody that cares about stuff like that like me um but yeah honestly you guys thank you so much again for listening i love doing this podcast and i'm so grateful for all the support and all the little downloads and listens that i get so um thank you thank you thank you check out my instagram the mellow mama my youtube channel the mellow mama subscribe there and i will see you on the next episode bye-bye